Welcome to the Wednesday edition. No, it's Tuesday. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Couch Potato Diary. I'm Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. It is all about the footballs today as we get ready for the start of the National Football League season. Come off of the biggest weekend in the Canadian Football League. Didn't get as much into uh, college this week, but still. Oh, it's a good time. Oh, it's a good time. I was, I've been fighting the fall thing for the last little bit. I've, I, summer here, again, I don't want to say too much bad about the summer here because it could have been worse. You know, like we were dealing with smoke here and literally in this case where there was smoke, there was fire, uh, but there wasn't any fire here. So I hope that if uh, any area that you were living in was affected by uh, any sort of fire activity, I hope that uh, everything was well for you. But selfishly here, it was either too hot to go outside or too smoky to go outside. So I, 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 I was miserable this entire summer. Not entirely. The dog stuff was still pretty wicked. But still, it, it feels like summer was taken away from us. And now all of a sudden, it's kind of nicer to be outside, but it, it, it's fall now. Um, and so I've been trying to fight it, but it's... It's definitely fall. The autumn winds are a-blowing for sure. So today, I'm going to start things off with a little bit of CFL, and then the next two days are going to be NFL preview shows. And the way I've done NFL preview shows in the past is just to go through win totals, and that's going to be the way that we break these teams down. Today is going to be the AFC. Tomorrow is going to be NFC along with playoffs and some other player props that we get in. And then Thursday's game day. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. I was going to say the Ravens and the Raiders. That one is waiting until Monday. I get to wait a full day for my team to get the shit kicked out of them. So that's going to be lovely. So let's start with the Canadian Football League. Uh, Labor Day weekend is always big. And again, all due respect to Ottawa and Montreal. Eh, there's a story that Ottawa might be going with a different quarterback. Eh, it, it's, n it's not going to matter. Ottawa is going to be bad this year. But we talked about how this was going to be a week that kind of separated teams a little bit and everyone going in was kind of facing a team that was in their own tier and we'll start with Saskatchewan against Winnipeg I I feel like these are the two top teams in the league and I still feel that way although Saskatchewan there are certainly some issues there now and the big one is around the quarterback and it's around Cody Fajardo and first off all the credit in the world to Winnipeg's defense. Winnipeg defensively gave Cody Fajardo no time. But that is not supposed to be as big of a problem for Cody Fajardo, who is supposed to be the mobile quarterback who's able to get out of the way, uh, get out of the pocket, and create something. The problem was he was getting out of the pocket and then nothing was being created. This is extremely homerish of me. I still do now view Saskatchewan as the top team in this league, but Winnipeg is getting a lot closer. It's just, I don't trust Caleros to be able to do it for a full, I guess it's not a full season. It's only 14 games instead of a regular 18, but I, I still don't trust him to be able to do it and to be able to stay healthy for as long as he's going to need to be able to do that. The, the weapons around are excellent. And again, the defense is probably, not probably, the defense is the best in the Canadian Football League. And that's going to help them win a lot of these games. It is now up to Saskatchewan who has a very good defense and has weapons around Cody Fajardo, but the offense has become stale and they need to figure that out going into the Banjo Bowl. Moving to the Monday games, Toronto against Hamilton. And hey, would you look at that, Dane Evans. Uh, quite the showing at the quarterback spot for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And they, it kind of felt like they were clumped in with Toronto. And now I do think that Hamilton has taken a step uh, sorry for the weird noise there. Uh, I do think Hamilton has taken a step ahead of the Toronto Argonauts and the Argos have 
a lot of talent at a lot of different positions, but I do wonder how well it is going to mesh. I think Hamilton is just able to take a step ahead there. And then same thing, Calgary against Edmonton. The issues at quarterback for Calgary aside, I think this is just a more talented roster that Edmonton has than Calgary. And we were already talking about some confidence issues with Bo Levi-Mitchell and the targets that he has around him and just not being in sync with some of those guys. Being hurt for a few games isn't going to help. It should be six. He was placed on the six-game injured list. Apparently, that doesn't mean shit, and that is so... It's so frustrating, uh, but it's it's a, a nitpicky thing with the CFL. Overall, a very good weekend of football from the Canadian Football League. As far as college is concerned, I didn't get a chance to catch a ton of it. I kind of figured Alabama was going to absolutely decimate the Miami Hurricanes. For, for those who don't know, I am a Miami Hurricanes fan, and it has been very frustrating over the last, almost my entire fandom, being a Hurricanes fan. And every year it's, oh, well, they've brought in all of this talent, and then every year they play anyone with any kind of talent, and they get steamrolled. And that was the case in this one. It's probably going to be the case a couple more times this season. Miami is now just perpetually in a good, not great spot, which is not a fantastic place to be in the world of college football. So there, a quick recap of everything that went on over the weekend. Now let's get to some previewing. So, gonna go through. Uh, win totals are off of the Bodog website. As of the time I was writing these notes down, things may change listening to an audio recording. Um, so, but that that's just kind of where I was coming off of. A lot of the preparation that I did for this, I can't recommend them enough. Not that they need it, but the um, Sharp Analytics or Warren Sharp Sharp's website is unbelievable. And the, the draft, or not the draft, sorry, I'm in fantasy football mode. Uh, the gambling preview that they send out to the world, a couple of things that are obviously a little bit dated in that. There was some Cam Newton talk in there. Yeah. But still, there's, I mean, anything that Warren Sharp does, I think you need to pay attention to because he is so incredibly smart when it comes to the football gambling thing. So we're going in alphabetical order and then we'll break down uh, division picks as we go along. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. Let's get going with the Baltimore Ravens. The projected win total sits at 10. John Harbaugh returns as the head coach. They have a below average strength of schedule. And when you look at the schedule for the Baltimore Ravens, um, you get to th- I-, I can get to 13 with this Baltimore Ravens team. The concerns are pretty obvious when it comes to Lamar Jackson and some of the struggles that they have had in the postseason. The postseason is not the pre or the uh, the postseason is not the regular season. Sorry, as I flip the page in my notes, this was a team that finished fourth in red zone efficiency, fourth in third down efficiency, sixth in explosive offense, twelfth in explosive passing, second in explosive pass defense. They project to have the ninth toughest pass defense schedule in the league, but that is not necessarily this team's jam. I, I still think when you look at Lamar Jackson. The the flaws in the postseason are certainly concerning from a uh, a Baltimore Ravens standpoint. But in the regular season, this is still a very difficult team to defend. 
the issue has been maybe a little bit of predictability and not having that passing attack that can really exploit teams and, and force them to not just come up on you. Also, the injuries that this team has had at the running back position are, I, I think, rather concerning. But I, I, I the, so the, the the win total being at 10 is probably in the grand scheme of things, a stay away from a, a gambling perspective. But for the purposes of this podcast where we're making predictions, I, I will say over, I just, I cannot view this team as one that only wins nine games. And remember, this is a 17 game season, but the, this, this does not strike me as just a 500 football club. The, this strikes me as a team that, I think has an opportunity of making the postseason again. And, and I just, I view them as a playoff team and as such, I, I think that they get over that 10 win mark. So I will, the, the official prediction is over 10. The next one, the Buffalo bills, the win total sits at 10 and a half with Sean McDermott as the head coach. Again, an above average strength of schedule. The thing that I love about the Buffalo Bills for this upcoming season is the return of Brian Dayball as the offensive coordinator. Who is to say why uh, Dayball is not a head coach in this league? But whatever assumptions you want to make surrounding that, uh, it ends up being a huge favor for the Buffalo Bills, who are now, again... The favorites in the AFC East, you have this continuity with an offense that was just absolutely incredible last season. They were the most pass-heavy team on first down in the league, and when you look at the metrics, that's kind of when you should be passing the ball, and just teams don't recognize that. Buffalo was able to recognize that. They were third in pass efficiency, first in third down offense, first in explosive pass defense, 30th in explosive run defense, so we obviously see a bit of an issue there. One of the advantages that I think Buffalo has when you look at this win total is they play the AFC South this season. They open things up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll get into them a little bit later, but I do not view that as a negative. Um, and I, I just, I view this Buffalo team as one of the best in the league. They only punted 42 times last season. That is absolutely insane. I think Josh Allen is the truth. I think that this is a very well-coached team. It's at 10.5. I love the over on this. I, I think that you could look at this Buffalo Bills team as one that is battling for that number one spot in the AFC when all is said and done. The Cincinnati Bengals come in at a total of 6.5 with uh, head coach Zach Taylor. This team has gone under the total in five straight years and I, I just, I think they're bad. And I, I think that there is an opportunity for this team to be good at some point. But you look at how they handled the offseason with the offensive line. I was very vocal about how I did not like that. And I don't care how good Jamar Chase is. If Joe Burrow has to run for his life on every play, it's just, it's not going to matter. And when you look at the play calling, you look at the execution for this team, 48% success rate on first down, which was the worst in the National Football League. Their offensive line finished 31st in adjusted line yards, 25th in adjusted sack rate. Sorry, can't read my own printing here. To not get Penny Sewell, I think, was a mistake. And when you look at the schedule, like just I, I don't want to go through the schedule for each team, but they, they start out against the Vikings. That's a loss. At Chicago, maybe you get a victory there. At the Steelers, eh. Home against Jacksonville, fantastic. Like the the 
the thing that helps the Bengals win total this year is you have Jacksonville, you have the Lions, and you have the Jets all on the schedule. And I don't think the Raiders are quite in that category, but you get the Raiders as well. I just, I, I don't envision this team being very good. I think they're poorly coached. I, I like the future of guys like Mixon and Burrow and Chase, but I don't think they did enough to address the issues on the offensive line. I don't think this defense is going to be very good at all, and I, I just I think they get absolutely shit kicked all season long. So I will very much take the under six and a half with the Cincinnati Bengals, and I will feel very confident about that. On the other hand, here are the Cleveland Browns at 10 and 5. Kevin Stefanski is the offensive coordinator. They have, by um, Vegas win totals, the second easiest schedule in the NFL and the easiest in the AFC. And that is why I think this is going to be a uh, Cleveland Browns team that probably, I, I think Cleveland wins this division. Um, and that is even with Baltimore going over 10 and a half. I, I think the bottom two teams in this division, we already talked about Cincinnati. We'll get to Pittsburgh a little bit later. I think the bottom two teams in this division are going to be bad. But the, the thing that I like about Cleveland is it, it is another year of continuity after they, were, after they were able to build on some things last season. But the, the one kind of cause for concern that I have is last year they faced the 25th toughest schedule of defenses in the National Football League. They end up, while they go 11-5, and five, they also had a negative point differential last season. I, I just, th those are a couple of things that stand out to me as a, how, how good are the Cleveland Browns, really? Like that's, uh, again, it, it's not a conversation that we've had a whole lot, but I do think this is still going to be a good team, and overall they are facing some bad teams. When we get to the postseason, they are not a team that I am extremely high on, but in terms of finishing over their total, I, I like Cleveland too. So I, again, will go over 10.5, and, and I will actually put the star by them. I think they end up winning the AFC North, but I, I think that this is probably a division that sees a couple playoff teams come out of it, although that playoff battle is going to be extremely competitive in the AFC this season. Uh, the Denver Broncos are projected to be in that category as well. Their total sits at eight and a half with Vic Bangio, uh, another season at the helm there. They have the seventh easiest schedule in the National Football League. Last season, they finished 30th in pass efficiency. That's obviously going to improve this year with Teddy Bridgewater um, manning this team. And I, I still think that was the right move for the Denver Broncos. And when you look at the schedule and just being able to ease Teddy Bridgewater in at Giants, at Jags, home Jets. Sounds like 3-0 to me. If it's not 3-0, then I, I think this Denver team is in some trouble because then you get the Ravens, you get the the Steelers as a matchup against the Raiders, uh, you got the Browns, you got the football team in there as well. Like this is, it, it gets a little bit difficult in the middle part of their schedule, but the, those first three games... Denver has to take care of business if they want to make it into the postseason there. The the reason that I like the over on the eight and a half is because, again, the schedule is just so easy. They're projected to face the easiest schedule of defenses in the league and the 28th best schedule of offenses in the league. So, again, not very high. It, it, just, it feels like the schedule is very much breaking in the Denver Broncos way. So I feel like I'm going over a bit too much here early on, but I am going to go over eight and a half for the Denver Broncos. Houston. 
this is where an under comes in and it's not going under by a lot because the total is only at four. You're telling me this is going to be a five-win football team? Not a chance. They are bad. They get a win at Jacksonville. Or, uh, sorry, you, you get a win home against Jacksonville and then maybe home against the Jets. But after that, I mean, you have the, the NFC West, which is the best division of football, the AFC East, which is a scary good division, and then you got the Chargers in Cleveland. Uh, and, like, the, the division that they play in isn't fantastic, but in part because of them. So this is not one we have to stay long on. I'm going under four on the Houston Texans. I am not a fan. The Indianapolis Colts... Win total sits at nine. They have the 12th easiest schedule in the NFL. They finished second in explosive pass offense last season. We can go through all the different numbers. All of this comes down to Carson Wentz. Is he healthy and does he suck? If the answer to either of those is in the negative category for the Indianapolis Colts, then this team's in trouble because they basically rely entirely on a quarterback who we have major questions around. The, the rest of this team is actually all right. The defense is overrated. Um, th- that defense got overrated by an easy schedule last season. Um, but you look at the some of the weapons they have on offense. Jonathan Taylor is good. I like Pittman quite a bit. And I think Frank Reich is a smart coach when it comes to the, the, the quarterback position and managing an offense. The issues I have with Wentz, last season, 44% of successful passes in early downs. 67% of first down passes were listed as catchable. That is 10% lower than the NFL average. I, I just don't think he has it anymore. I I, I have major concerns about that. And because of that, I, I have to go under nine for the Indianapolis Colts. That is a division that's only going to have one playoff team. And we'll just, we'll, we'll polish off the, 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 the also rands of that division. Jacksonville's bad. There's win total sits at six and a half. There's no way this is a seven win football team this season. Even with the fourth, uh, fourth easiest schedule the you have the quarterback. That is great for the long term. That is really, really a, a obviously smart thing to do. It's the rest of the roster that I have major concerns with. I am going under six and a half for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kansas City comes in with a total of 12 and a half. They have the 12th hardest schedule in the league. I I said it basically every week last season. I thought the Kansas City Chiefs were essentially just playing with their food all season long. I do think that the loss in the Super Bowl is going to be a motivating factor for this team in the upcoming season, and they bring in three offensive linemen, whether it is Duvernay Tardif, who is coming in after sitting last year out, or some offseason acquisitions that all ranked in the top 30 of offensive linemen by PFF last season, or a couple, or at least have before. Duvernay Tardif couldn't have. He was not playing. Um, you have Patrick Mahomes, who rates as the top quarterback when it comes to expected points added, which is, it's a little complex to explain, but basically... Each play you have on the field, there's an expected point total that you can get based off of how teams have been able to perform in that exact same down distance field position. And then when you go out and make a big play, that can really alter that. You have added expected points to your total, and Patrick Mahomes was the best at doing that. He is the best quarterback in the league, Andy Reid is the best coach in the league. I can't go under 12 and a half with the Kansas City Chiefs. All Andy Reid does is go over his win total. I am saying over for Kansas City at the 12 and a half, and I do have them winning the AFC in terms of the regular season, so I'm just going to pencil them in to the divisional round 
Now, the Vegas Raiders, their win total sits at seven. They have the second toughest schedule in the National Football League based off of uh, win total projections. A couple of numbers will surprise you when it comes to this team. Top in explosive pass offense, ninth in pass efficiency last season. And that just proves the point that if John Gruden could just take his hands away from the roster management thing, then he would be a very effective coach with the Vegas Raiders. Because offensively, it just seems like he has it figured out. And he has never made it... um, or he's very much made it well known. He's not a huge Derek Carr fan, but those two have worked very well together offensively, and they have actually produced some very good numbers on the offense. The problem is he and Mayock have had just a hell of a time with putting this roster together, and that that has continued to be the issue. And again, they absolutely annihilate the offensive line, and if you actually go through it, this team is in a worse spot now, I think, roster-wise, than it was when Gruden took over. And so because of that, I think this team gets absolutely railed all season long. I, I just have major concerns about how this roster is set up. I think they get crushed. They're they're going to finish last in this division, and they are going to definitely go under that seven-win total. The LA Chargers at nine. Um, new coach Brandon Staley comes in. I love this team. I said before, you change the coach, this team turns into a Super Bowl contender, and you talk about protecting your investment at the quarterback position. They did that this season. They bolstered that offensive line. Um... Justin Herbert had some issues when it came to protection. This is also a team that finished 31st in the league in rush efficiency, but you improve that offensive line. They have the 11th easiest schedule in the NFL, and you just, clock management was such an issue, and I'm never a blame-the-coach guy. It was the coach's problem with the LA Chargers. This was a team that in the last two seasons have lost 16 games that they led at the half. 16 times they led at the half and lost the football game. Like, that that's just absolutely mind-boggling to me. And when you go down a little bit more, 64% of the time, or sorry, they, they won 64% of the games that they led in the fourth quarter. That is the third worst mark in the league behind, I believe, Jacksonville and the Detroit Lions. Like, this was just a team that continued to piss away lead after lead after lead, and they still almost made the playoffs last year. I am huge on the Chargers to go over that total of nine and a half. I just, I don't view this as a nine and eight team. Like, they're just, sorry, it, the, the total was nine. So I, view, I definitely have them going over then. That half a win, huge difference. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I can't see this being a sub-500 football team. I, I have the Chargers getting, uh, getting in, and I, I think they're going to make a lot of noise in the AFC. Another team who I am high on, and this one is a little bit different from where I think a lot of people are. I am up on the Miami Dolphins. Their win total sits at nine. They have the 10th easiest schedule in the National Football League this season, again, based off of projected win totals. There isn't a whole lot of statistical analysis to back this up. I think Tua was in a real shit spot last season when it came to recovering from a hip injury, trying to learn everything in COVID, and Chan Gailey's the offensive coordinator with Ryan Fitzpatrick set to be the starting quarterback. How much of that offense do you think was tailored to Tua Tungavailoa last season? Oh, none. No, none whatsoever. So you look at... I get that they're different, but you look at the Tua that played in college and then the Tua that was out there last season, they didn't even look like the same human being. So I am projecting that 
another full off season to recover from that hip injury, an offensive coordinator who can style things more around you, and just a little bit more confidence and a little bit more, um, I guess, feeling a little bit more comfortable in the National Football League. I think Tua has a breakout season this year. Um, if you could make it, I don't even know if there is a most improved award in the NFL. If you could, it would be him. I, I think he's going to have an absolutely monster season. I, I like Miami. I like the over here at nine. That That's one of the ones that I'm actually going to, to lock down. I, I really, really like that one. And I am very much high on the Miami Dolphins. The team that I'm not high on is New England. Their total sits at nine and a half. And that blows me away. They have a they, they have, in terms of the talent that they are facing, they don't face the toughest schedule by, by any stretch of the imagination. It's not the easiest, though, but they face three teams coming off of a bye. And they face a schedule that ranks sixth in terms of opponents' offensive efficiency. So they're facing some pretty good offenses against a defense that, yes, they get a lot of guys back. I just don't know how effective that team is going to be with guys who weren't there last year coming in this year, guys who they signed in free agency. Like it's just, it is an unnatural amount of moving parts in New England. And Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, 100%, but he's never had turnover like this with this amount of spending before. It all reeked of desperation for me. And and some of the moves you like, like Jono Smith with this offense is going to be good. But to me, it all comes down to Mac Jones. And while he has looked a little bit more impressive in the preseason, that is still the preseason. I am not high on Mac Jones, and thus I am not high on the New England Patriots. I will go under nine and a half on New England. I, I actually think this could be another bad year in New England. Not a lot of analysis here. The New York Jets suck. Their win total is at six for some fucking reason. They're not going to get to that. This is a bad football team. Potentially trending in the right direction. Just not this year. Under six. We don't have to spend a lot of time on that one. This is one that I'm interested in. The Pittsburgh Steelers. The win total sits at eight and a half. Mike Tomlin has never had a sub 500 football season, but the Steelers have the the hardest schedule in the league in terms of projected win totals against. Last season, they finished 21st in pass efficiency, 30th in rush efficiency. Their defense was top five in most categories. However, they face the third most efficient offense schedule in the league this upcoming season. I think this is the end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I you, you look at Ben Roethlisberger and oh well maybe he'll be healthy this year. He he was supposed to be healthy like I get like he was banged up but he played in all of those games last season and when you look at the numbers 315 of his 501 passing attempts traveled 6 yards or less last season. 401 of his 501 dropbacks came from 11 personnel, and they passed out of 11 personnel 82% of the time. This was a predictable offense in more ways than one, and I just, again, this is a projection that Ben Roethlisberger has done. If Roethlisberger, if this was going into last season and they had those kind of numbers, oh, well, they had the backups in there, but Ben was in there. And I, I just, I don't think what was bothering him gets fixed in an offseason. I think that gets fixed in retirement. I... I think this is probably Ben's last year, and I don't think it's going to be a good one. I go under on that one, under nine and a half, or sorry, under eight and a half for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which leads us to the Tennessee Titans. Their total sits at nine and a half. I like the over on that quite a bit. They had the fourth best uh, pass efficiency, third in run efficiency, 
last season. Since Ryan Tannehill took over, they're 18-8, which is sixth best in the National Football League. They have 22.7 first downs per game, which is fifth in the NFL, 30.6 points per game, third best in the NFL. They finished eighth in explosive pass plays last season. You bring in Julio Jones, adding another high-level weapon to this Tennessee Titans offense, I don't think he is the Julio Jones of old, but I don't think he has to be. I've talked before. I like A.J. Brown quite a bit, and I think that this is an offense that can put up numbers. And you look at the defense. It is bad, and that is, I think, the thing that is going to keep this from being a championship-level team is that defense. But in the regular season, I think it's going to be fine. And plus, you look at, again, I'm not high on Indianapolis, and then you got Jacksonville and Houston. You can easily go 6-0. and I think I can squeak out four wins from the Titans outside of that. So I'm going over 9.5. So now, when we look at these divisions, Tennessee, I think, is clearly the winner in the South. You have Buffalo, clearly the winner in the East. The closest one is in the North. I have Cleveland winning with, again, that over of 10 and a half. I think Buffalo finishes as the two seed. The three seed I do have as Cleveland. And then the four seed would be the Tennessee Titans. So now, who do we get in this wild card game? Based off of win total, I have over 10. Baltimore has to get in there. They're probably the five seed. So Baltimore against Tennessee once again in the postseason. I think Denver ends up being the odd team out in this. I think that they are going to be good, but I think they're going to be best team in the AFC to not make the playoffs. I think the Chargers get in. Maybe I have, like, I might change this one up on the fly. Do it, changing it on the fly. Probably could have edited it out, but I'm not going to. Chargers at over nine. I'm going to put them in as the five seed. So they play Tennessee in the wild card round. Baltimore gets that six seed. They play Cleveland in the wild card round. And then Miami will get Buffalo in the wild card round. So we get some um, predictability in terms of matchmaking with a couple of divisional matchups. And now let's just play this one out. Buffalo against Miami. I would like Buffalo in that. So they are going to move on to the divisional round. The Cleveland Browns against Baltimore. That's one again. I don't love either of those teams in the playoffs. Just to be a little bit different, I will go Baltimore to win that one. And then, again, I'm huge on the Chargers, so I will go with the Chargers to beat Tennessee in the postseason, which would set up divisional matchups of Kansas City against Baltimore. Love that. Buffalo against the Chargers. Love that one as well. Kansas City, I think, obviously beats Baltimore in that matchup. I, I like Buffalo a lot, but I'm just, I'm so big on this Chargers team. I'm... I'm having the internal debate. Part of it is I just don't want to go chalk, but I am going to go chalk 1-2 with Kansas City taking on Buffalo, and I think Kansas City ends up winning the AFC. So that is your AFC preview. The NFC and more playoff talk will be previewed tomorrow. That's going to do it for the show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you have any thoughts on any of those, please let me know on social media. I am at primetimekline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Um, email the show catch potato diary at yahoo.com one more NFL preview to come that is tomorrow and then a pick per game is coming up on Friday as we preview week one in the National Football League so we'll talk to you guys a couple more times this week I'm out